Elliot Goldstein is hosting a radio and podcast show out of New Mexico called NMDJ Presents Fly on the Wall. We are building a fresh, fabulous podcast library of musicians, writers, artists, and all good people of note, with many new and exciting guests to come. We are listener-funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. We appreciate your help. We would like to thank Alan Gower for the intro music. Enjoyed the show. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall podcast. I'd like to tell you how I got started. Um, I really had no idea on um, the beginnings of what had even where to start. And I stumbled upon Anchor by Spotify. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And I'll explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And um, when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast automatically on listening platforms. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on other uh, platforms. And it, Anchor made it so simple. And um, it's all in one place. Everything you need to make a podcast, you can find in one place. And um, the amazing part is it's all free. So um, there is no uh, downside to any of this. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. And again, it's the Anchor app or go anchor.fm. And it's real easy to get started. And um, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall and uh, back to the show. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Anil Prasad is the founder and editor of Interviews, the Internet's first online music magazine, initially launched in 1994. Prasad's writing has appeared in Guitar Player, Bass Player, Frets, Jazz Times, Relix, All About Jazz, and the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. In addition, Interviews content is used as part of the UCLA School of Music's course curriculum. He has conducted interviews with more than 450 musicians since 1992. He has contributed liner notes, essays, video interviews, and release consulting to projects for record labels including Abstract Logics, Blue Note, Favored Nations, Grass Tops, Lazy Bones Recordings, Magna Carta, Panegyric, and 7D Media, as well as artists such as Pierre Bensouzon, The Crimson Project, Pete Levin, 
Tony Levin, Pat Mastellato, John McLaughlin, Marco Miniman, Marcus Reuter, Jordan Rudis, Julie Slick, Sonar, Tanya Taggart, David Torn, Us3, Van Anvo, Alan White, Stephen Wilson, and yes. Prasad is the author of the book Interviews, Music Without Borders. The ebook edition achieved a number one placement on iTunes Arts and Entertainment and Music Charts. The book features interviews with 24 musicians, including Bjork, Stanley Clark, Annie DeFranco, Bela Fleck, Bill Laswell, John McLaughlin, Public Enemy, David Sylvian, and Tangerine Dream. Prasad's work has been excerpted in more than 30 music-related books, including In a Silent Way, A Portrait of Joe Zawinul by Brian Glasser, In the Court of King Crimson by Sid Smith, On Some Far Away Beach, The Life and Times of Brian Eno by David Shepard, and So What, The Life of Miles Davis by John Chaved. Prasad is an outspoken critic of many music industry practices, most notably internet streaming vendor policies. He is the author of a presentation titled The Economic Reality of Streaming for Musicians that examines the history of streaming, the artist royalty rates involved, and their negative impact on artists' livelihoods. Prasad has also criticized recording contracts, in particular copyright and master ownership clauses, and is an advocate of artists retaining the entirety of copyright in their own works. He was voted one of the six most influential music journalists of all time by GAS Media. This radio show is sponsored by, Not Your Mother's DJs and Events. Women owned and operated. Not Your Mother's DJs and Events is a great start to any party. This show is listener funded. If you wish to contribute our PayPal info is notyourmothersradio at gmail.com. That's notyourmothersradio at gmail.com. We would like to thank you in advance. We really need the help. So how do you, um, is there a trick in finding the musicians that aren't, um, how, how do you find a lot of guys that aren't listed anywhere? Like, I've been finding a ton of guys on like Facebook. I've gone to like Cherry Red Records to get a yep. handful of guys. Um, um, is there any... Is there an outlet where you can actually go? And, uh, is it, no, it's like it's, like a yellow not, pages for musicians. No, I don't think musicians. Facebook is the new yellow pages for right. musicians. It used to be MySpace, right? Uh, back in the much more innocent days of social media, before uh, platforms were throwing global elections yeah, uh, really. for, for candidates. Um, um, no, it's it's really your creativity, as you know, as you build up. You yeah. know, this kind of network of people that you engage with uh you like if you you've interviewed bill laswell and yeah. Niels petter mulvar that you know just those two guys open up a network of hundreds of musicians yeah. did you know nils yeah. did you know nils did you know Nils? i know him extremely well yes he's a friend of mine yeah yeah great, great guy incredible yeah. he's a lot of uh very down to earth what a great musician what a great guy he is I would go as far as to say one of the most important living musicians on this I, earth at the moment. I yeah. think so too. Also, I've been talking to Raul. Um, 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 uh, how come I just forgot his name? Raul uh, uh, Born, uh, Bornstein. He's a, a guitarist. He works with. Oh Bill. yeah, yeah, right. Yes, Born, yeah, very great yeah. musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He works with Bill too. Um, another great guy who um, I'm going to be doing a, a lot of speaking to. I spoke to him a lot. He's going to be doing a live spot with me. I have to uh, 
work late in the middle of the night because he's in the uh, Nordic region and to get him up in the morning and me to you know, do yep. a live thing, we have to uh, kind of hook up funny times. Um, yeah, so you, um, you've kind of hit every major artist out there. You, you've, you've, been, you've been able to talk to Tangerine Dream, um, which is a major coup. That's incredible. Yeah, getting to know Edgar was a huge. Yeah, another example of someone who passed away. Yes. Yeah, his his death devastated me when that happened. Yes, so completely unexpected. Um, yeah, no, uh, no, I don't know about ever all the. I mean, I've done a lot of people, but there's so many people I'll never get to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Were you were you friendly with Edgar? <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, we actually stayed in touch yeah. over time. Um, Tangerine Dream made it back to the Bay Area just a couple of years before Edgar passed. Um, we got to hang out a bunch. I got to know uh, Bianca, his wife, who's kind of keeping the flame alive. Um, yeah, do they... Yeah. Have, there's, a, there's a new Tangerine Dream out there now, right? Well, the, uh, yeah. Um, uh, well, the new Tangerine Dream is the previous Tangerine Dream right. without Edgar. Yeah. Um, they don't, do they... Phenomenal, it's a phenomenal group of musicians. Oh, they They're, are. They are. All of whom have their own incredible careers. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. The, yeah. the, 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 you know, it's we're into you know ghost band. Yeah. You know, as they used to say, you know, when you know Duke Ellington's band continued without him, or the Mingus bands without without him. It's an interesting concept. Yeah, um, I know. I know the group Kansas is going down that route at the moment. Uh, also, um, Humble Pie. Yeah, I mean, uh, Phil Ehart from Kansas has said um, his intent is for that band to outlast all of the existing members and for it to go on without him. Yeah. Um, I think Yes seems to be going down that path, too. It's it's an interesting one. Um, War? I think, Tangerine, I think the new Tangerine Dream, the so-called, quote, new, unquote, Tangerine Dream, are very well-intentioned. Right. So um, if that... Band being on the road means that a 14-year-old finds out about Phaedra in 2022. That can't be a bad thing, right? No, no, no. Because, uh, you know, even um, you know, e- e- even bands that are, were established, like Fleetwood Mac, nobody cares who's in the band anymore. People go to hear this. I, I debate that one, personally. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, I'm not sure this new Fleetwood Mac, uh, it's an odd one. Yeah, not, it is. It is, but people p- people want to hear the people want to hear, hear the songs. You know, they want to. Yeah. I mean, me and you are music. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm Fleetwood a Mac without Lindsay, a Fleetwood Mac without Lindsay Buckingham is, um, and then basically a show mostly comprised of Buckingham based music. Right. I mean, you, you have the same thing with a yes at the moment. Yeah, you, you know? do. How about uh, Flo, how about Flo and Eddie without Eddie? Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. Yeah, um, you know, this is, a lot of this has to do with money and has to do with yeah. um, all but, kinds of politics. But, but yeah, but I think people like to go out there and just hear the songs now. I, I, not me personally. They, you know, yeah, I think I think when COVID starts to really subside, I know people are claiming it has subsided. Anyone, yeah, I don't think so. Anyone with half an active brain cell knows that's not true, but it's right. coming. Yeah. Um, you know, I I th- it's interesting we we will have lost one to two years of time of touring time right 
that doesn't matter a whole lot for the younger people, but for the older bands that were already comprised of people in their yep. late 60s, early 70s, I think 2022 to 23, you're going to kind of see the final <laughs> mega touring from hell from all of these bands because it's the last time for most of them, I think. I do too. So, yeah, we're going to have a lot of that. So what's going to happen? What do you think touring is going to be? Not touring, but what do you think... Um... Uh, uh, the audiences are going to be going through now. Do you think it's going to be a hybrid type of an experience? Where You're talking about the COVID context? Yeah, after COVID, you know, when people are allowed to go to shows again. I used to work for Live Nation. They were my client. Uh-huh. And so a, a company like Live Nation, I mean, this is what they're built upon, touring. Do you think it's going to be hybrid where um, X amount of people get to see the band live and the rest are going to be seeing it on, uh, you know, pay-per-view or something like that? I think we're going to get right back to where we were. You do? But it's going to take a couple of years. Okay. Um, the city of San Francisco, near where I live, uh, is now opening up. I believe as of April 15th, they are going to open up live music venues to 30% capacity, which still strikes me as clinically insane and irresponsible. But uh, I'm not going to, I'm like the biggest gig goer in the world, and there's no way I would go out there yet. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of people chomping at the bit to do it. They're going to open up the Bill Graham Civic Center, which I believe has you know capacity of around eight or nine thousand people, and they're going to mm-hmm. let it uh, run at three thousand capacity in this yeah. like airless box from hell. Right. They're going to split up the venue between people with COVID vaccination cards and people that are unvaccinated. You know, we need to get past all of that crap. I right. do believe. You know, just the history speaks for itself. All global pandemics have historically receded within two to three years. And this one will recede right. whether the majority get the vaccine or not eventually. I do believe we'll just get back to where we are. It's just going to take a while. Okay. Uh, Live okay. Nation, you know, if you read some of the coverage, mm-hmm. um, as soon as this thing hit, they plan for it. They seem to, as much as I, mean, I used to work for them, but we all agree that it is the company so much of uh, music fandom loves to hate. Yeah, but right from the get-go, they they seem to have plotted out this two-year arc of uh, how they get back to full capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they really do seem to have been some of the smartest people in the room on COVID. Yeah, I think it will come back with ferocity. Lots of tours are already getting announced for yeah. October onwards. Yeah, they have been. Um, twenty twenty-two. Um, I already have friends. Uh, some of my more famous music musician friends who are actually having trouble booking venues for 22 really because um you have to book net like the confidence is so high right now that 2022 and 23 are already almost all booked in terms of major venues uh-huh. so uh, it's a very long-winded way of saying I, I do believe we'll get back to what we're used to eventually yeah yeah um and how about all the musicians now uh, all, all the um writers Everybody's selling off their catalogs. Well, I, I think we both know the reason for that. Um, yeah, streaming the monetization of music has been des- you know as as you know been decimated. Right? Yeah. You know, we all know streaming. Most of my musician friends make maximum. I mean, some really famous ones. People are still making maximum one hundred to two hundred dollars a month from right. streaming. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and that can represent millions on millions of streams. Yep. 
And so the, 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 as you know, the super famous musicians um, are just selling off their yeah. catalogs for right. gigantic bulk sums. Yeah. Um, you know, there's countless examples at the moment. Even the band Rush did it yes. very quietly. Theirs didn't get much attention. They did okay. that one very quietly in the background, selling off their publishing uh-huh. to a company called Olay Music. Um, wow. Or Old Music. O-L-E. That's okay. it incorrectly. I mean, Paul Simon sold his this week. It, it's a, Yeah, it's astounding. I mean, yeah, I, I believe they're getting, you know, hundreds of millions to close to a billion dollars in some cases, right? Um, some of these catalogs. I don't know. I thought so. Dil- I thought Dylan got um, $33 million. I thought he would get billions. I really did. I, I'm pretty sure some of these have been into the hundreds of millions. Like, oh, yeah? I mean, David. I think David Bowie was one of the first people to do it. He kind of saw the yeah, well, cratering. I may, well, I may have well, these dollar well, figures. Yeah, Bo- Bowie went corporate, right? He became a uh, corporation. And he sold himself, and I think he got a billion dollars at the time for uh, pieces of Bowie. Smartest guy in the room. Yeah, and that was always, that was decades ago. Smartest guy in the room. Yeah, decades right, right ago. Right to the day. Yeah. Right to the day Bowie died. Yeah. Smartest guy in the room. Stunning. Yeah, his last video yeah. was incredible. The last video. He he would, you wouldn't even know he's gone right now. It's no. like the guy's music is like in yep. the air. My. Yep. 13-year-old knows the catalog, and he knows the catalog without my influence. Oh, really? It's like, he'll like, he'll be like, yeah, Dad, I was was listening to this Bowie track. I'm like, you were? (laughs) Um, All right. It's really big on TikTok right now. I'm like, yeah. My my grandkids live with me, and my little one is eight years old, and he's been listening to Fred Schneider's Monster. (laughs) Yeah, it's... You know, so yeah, oh, it must be your influence, I would presume. Yeah, I think so. But he, uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, new mu- uh, Yeah, that's another question. New music. There is no really new music. Anybody? To, there's nobody to talk to. There's really no influences now that I think are worth um, chasing. You know, guys doing new music. In, in, in the, I, probably, I think I'd have to disagree with you on that, but yeah. can you elaborate on that? Yeah, in the pop world, I don't think there's... I don't think In the pop world? Yeah, I think there's a lot of... I think the pop music these days is pretty much disposable. I don't know if anything's well, It's always stick. been that way. Yeah, but I mean... You, you have like the St. Vincent's that creep into the middle of it. Yeah. Um, there's still some really... Occasionally, it's, it's always been the way. There's To me, it's like... Pop music has always been disposable, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, in, and in the middle of it, there's all there's always only been a handful of people that, that have kind of stood the test of time. I mean, using St. Vincent as an example, who I think right. is she is utterly phenomenal, phenomenal yeah. artist in every way. And you know, one of her biggest guitar influences is Adrian Ballou. Right. I mean, it's like, and she's like taken that she's a total prog head. You know mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like filtered all of that <laughs> into this. She's kind of like a she. Saint Vincent is acting. You know, her name is actually Annie Clark. The group is Saint Vincent, right? Um, but she's kind of an. She's like what the Talking Heads would be. Yeah. In twenty twenty one, to me, in fact, she's done a project with David Byrne. I'm just saying there is some hope. Yeah, there's, there's like a, yeah, there's an album. Anna, yeah. You know who Anna Calvi is? No. Another phenomenal. Uh, Female singer songwriter, guitarist, composer. Not pop. Uh, she's, also, she's broken through as well. I mean, I'm just saying that you're right in general. Yeah. 
but there's there's still a few people still break through that are still ast- astonishing. But for the most part, pop music is it's what why it's called popular music, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But but <laughs> but back in the day, the guys that we were talking about, um, yeah, you know, back back in the '60s, '70s, uh, even part of the '80s. The people who did pop music were uh, viable. They stuck around. You knew who they were for decades. You know, you but, had, but, that's, but but we're still distilling down to kind of a handful. There were more. There were there were a lot. There were a lot There's more. No debating. There's yeah. no debating that. You look at like the the Fillmore bills, or you look at the sure. Billboard charts. But, but, but even even look at yeah. Blondie, Talking Heads, uh, B fifty twos. They were pop. Um, but, but, but you and I may appreciate them, but they were also labeled very disposable at the time. Maybe, um, not yeah. so much Talking Heads. I mean, yeah. uh, Blondie were considered a throwaway pop band, even though they actually did very important things. And of course, you had people yeah. like Robert Fripp working with them, etc. And they stood the test of time. Right. Um, I mean, let's. I mean, the '80s. A lot of people look back at the '80s, you know, with nothing but condemnation. Yeah. I disagree with that. I think the early '80s were a phenomenal period for music. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I see what you're saying. It, 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 you know, the other the star making machinery of 2021 is also, you know, it's entirely social media and streaming dominated. It's entirely a manipulated machine at levels that we can't even fathom. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost driven by you know, you know, algorithms right. <laughs> more than people. Um, yeah, yeah. I always, yeah. I kind of so. feel now that it's more important to have good hashtags than good music. Well, I, yeah, I, I, um, I know a lot of young people, um, uh, in various circles, um, not necessarily connected to the worlds of music. And you're right about that. I mean, a lot of them don't know, they only know like a handful of artists' names now. And right. instead, they know playlists. Right. And they know moods and they know the packaging and aggregate of, of, of songs. And, yeah, music is, you know, as they say, a lifestyle accoutrement. Something has absolutely been lost. There's yeah. no question about that. Think it's going to come back? No. I think no. Uh, <laughs> it will not come back. There's no, we're never going to have... I've talked to Alan Parsons about this once, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, about the idea of uh, distraction-free listening. And um, the idea of... You, know, you and I are of, of an era where the act, the art of listening to music was all you needed. Yeah. <laughs> you would just sit there and all you just sit there and listen to the music in your bedroom as a kid, right? And yeah. that's all you'd be on your bed on your back with headphones. Yep. Putting away that was a pastime. That was a hobby. Yeah. And now it's not possible for no kid listens to me almost no kid listens to music that way. No. They're listening to music and they're doing four other things simultaneously. Yeah. They can't even watch T V anymore without looking at their phone in conjunction with that TV. Um, uh, I don't see that receding. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Is that because music's free now, that you don't have to pay for music? There's an element of that, too, but I think it's even bigger than that. I, I, th- I think it's kind of what I, I was referring to, this idea that there's this endless spectrum of digital entertainment now. Yeah. Um I think social media has uh, had a profoundly adverse impact on people's attention spans. Yeah. Um, you, everyone has twitchy finger on their phone. Um, 
usually the and with the example of the phone, the, the device you're using to access music is the device also spitting out eighteen thousand notifications to you sure. at every second. Um, I can hear it right there in the background as we talk right now, um, as it is with me. So. I'd like to tell you, I think things are going to, I mean, there's a small subculture of kids that, as we know, have fueled the, uh, vinyl resurgence. Yeah. Um, you know, I stand in line with them at record store day and occasionally I get into a, a conversation with a 14 year old kid who tells me about his, you know, Riga turntable setup, well. you know, and you know, what, what, what type of inner sleep is better for the longevity of his LPs. And I'm yeah. like, are you, how old are you? 14? Well, that's pretty cool. Like, that, are you really 14? Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. so there's a few people like that that will carry it forward, but I'll do, I'll do, I, think the art, I think the art of, of intent listening is dissipating rapidly. And to cap off the Alan Parsons thing, Alan said, I asked him, well, how do you do it now? You know, Mr. Legendary producer, engineer, yeah. pop star. And he's like, I'm the same, same as everyone else. I can't listen yeah. to music. Um, uh, uh, you know, on a, on a you know committed basis anymore. I'm just yeah. like everyone. Tell you a funny story. I'm going to say Alan Parsons is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Can't do it. Yeah, what hope? Yeah, one of the greatest. But um, I was at the Tower Records when Tower was still around. So maybe yeah. you know a decade ago, it might have been longer. And I'm online um, buying tickets for something. And some little punky kid stands up in front of me and says, who are you here to see, Jimi Hendrix? <laughs> you know, it was like, <laughs> you know, a little punky kid. But, yeah, um, it was pretty funny. But, um, man, that's Parsons. So he can't even listen to music anymore. That's that's pretty deep. I mean, yeah. I mean, his, I mean, al- I mean, his albums you had to sit there and listen to. You couldn't, you couldn't walk away from a Parsons album. Yeah, I mean, some of them are so no- nuanced. The production so incredible. Yeah. But, um, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I know he said that um, Wolfson was the guy who who brought uh, Alan Wolfson. Not Alan Wolfson. Uh, um, Eric Wolfson. Yeah, Eric. Yeah. He um, was the guy who brought all of the concepts to the scene, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the yeah, original Alan Parsons project, it yeah. was very much a collaboration yeah, between those two guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those are... Those are some incredible records. They are, yeah, yeah. But those you couldn't listen. You couldn't sit down for ten minutes. You had to listen to that album from start to finish. The old Parsons albums. I mean, that goes for so much great music. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not how it works anymore. I know, I know. Sad, right? Um, Very sad. You know what was interesting? I, I was um, a few weeks ago. I was watching the Eric, uh, um, not Eric, uh, John Lurie. Um, HBO show? Did you see that? Paint- I did not know John had a, an HBO show, but that doesn't. What, what's the show? Painting with John. I'm it, not aware of it, but I'm certainly aware of who he is. Yeah, yeah. it was brilliant. I'm telling yeah. you, it was. It's 20 minutes. They were short episodes, and uh, he's sitting there painting and uh, just talking about things, talking about meeting uh, uh, Barry White. Uh, you know this thing and that thing. It was just—it was brilliant. It was just kind of what we're doing now. Only he's painting while he's doing it, uh-huh. and he's a great painter. He's he, incredible stuff. He was painting, 
and his stories were, were, were really fun. Check him out. Um, check it out. They're very short episodes. There sure. might have only been six or seven of them. They're a very short s- series. I haven't plugged into his world for a long time. Obviously, yeah. big Angel Lizard's guy. And, uh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll look into that. Yeah, yeah. They, it was, and he was sick, so you know, he's um, he was kind of mending, and it was just it was great. It was, it was really interesting stuff. Um, so you, uh, so so, what do you think the future is going to look like, music-wise? What's gonna What's going to happen? Is in, in, in what in what capacity? Just in the whole thing. Um, when I was a kid, you had to save up your money. You had to get like eight, nine dollars, whatever it was, together to buy a, an LP. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, eight, nine bucks back in the '60s is like a million today. You know, I don't know what the exchange is, but you know what I'm saying. You kind of had to save up, and then you went to the store. And you bought the darn thing, you got it home, and you worshipped that thing for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. You know, you, you, you knew every line, you knew every person that was on the album, you knew producers, you knew... You knew the Matrix, the you, that yeah. going Matrix number or yeah. message yeah. in our group, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yes, I mean, you knew, so, you, you knew the yeah. engineer, you knew, you know, you knew uh, the label. You know, it was kind of like uh, six degrees from your album, you knew what was going on. Uh-huh. Okay, you, you know a guy like um, uh, let's see, who do I speak to? Uh, Fred Catero. You know Fred. Okay, you know you, you knew Fred was an engineer. You knew Fred worked with Santana. You know he did Joplin stuff. You know he, you know whatever. You knew the whole history of everybody. That's gone. You know that you don't get that on Spotify. You don't get that on um, YouTube. That's a whole lost art. There is a saving grace in here, and that is Bandcamp. Yeah, and that that is still a digital outlet. We don't need mm-hmm. to spend a lot of time on it, but where musicians put stuff up in full resolution, right. they can lock the sequence to an album, and a lot of them include high res PDFs that include right. all the details people like you and I care about. All these things you mentioned, so there is that that exists out there as a, as an alternate model, but it's a very small part of the mix. Yeah, I mean the. Um, you and I grew up in this in, in the era where music was an investment, and one of the important things about that um, was if you made that eight or nine dollar investment as a kid. First of all, it was a big investment mm-hmm. unless you were rich, which I certainly wasn't. And so even if I didn't like the album when I got it, it was like you know, God damn it, I'm going to listen to this and find something in it for my eight or nine bucks that yeah. I like, right. or I might realize two months later. That was actually absolutely brilliant. Right. Thank God I bought that. Um, what happens now? I mean, um, uh, I was talking to St- Stephen Wilson to name drop uh, someone, uh, and he's someone who grew up in the era we did too, yeah, and yeah. now he's uh, got this sort of ascending career. Incredible. But his career now is based on streaming, right. and he knows that that is where he has to be. And during one of these conversations we were having, we were talking about how pop music is now engineered. So, so what happens with, with streaming, the Spotify's, you know, and Apple Music's of the world is um, you have to lock the listener into listening to X percentage of the track, I believe is within within five to 10 seconds or the musician doesn't get the credit or the, 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 the minuscule payout or the, the chart tracking. And so now pop music is being engineered so like the, the vocal has to come in within seconds or the hook has to hit right. 
instantly. And so the, the music has actually been calibrated for the medium. Wow. Now, I mean, we can go back to, you know, early to mid part of the last century and look at a 78 RPMs and the, the seven inch single also gated music and certainly even like the earliest jazz music that, that came out where, you know, you know, like a, a 10 minute composition would have to be reduced to two and a half minutes on one side of right. 45. Um, but still it's not as bad as it is now where because it, it's all the, the, one yeah. of the problems is everything is algorithmic based now. Yeah, I remember the old days, yeah. uh, placement of songs and LPs were, uh, you know, you had a really, dis, you know, there was a, there was a, some kind of a formula. Side A, you know, the hit may be the first tune on the uh, first side, and then yeah. you, know, you know, then you, there was placement. The last song had to be interesting enough for somebody to flip it, that kind of thing. You know, to flip the LP. There was a whole, yeah, yeah. there was a whole formula that. Uh, yeah, and then just the restrictions of vinyl. Like yeah. The, the best sounding part of the album to groove density is it was yeah, at the, the yeah. front end of the LP and yeah. uh, it, you started to lose detail as you get to, got towards the end. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, in terms of where music is going though, I, I mean, I think it'll, I think we're always going to have the super creative people that make music in a completely uncompromising way and mm-hmm. don't care about all the algorithms and the models or whatever. They just make music for music's sake. And I think a lot of that ends up on places like Bandcamp. Um, mm-hmm. And then you're going to have people that are playing the, the horrific machine learning, artificial intelligence modeled yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. content designed to specifically, you know, check the boxes of the systems through which it, you know, emanates from and i have no interest in that part i right. do not care less i pay so, attention to it all but i I, hate, I really hate it so i ask i ask everybody who who kind of loves music i go back to this uh the beatles were you a beatle fan like anyone who's a true music aficionado is a beatles fan i'm very suspicious of anyone who claims to be a fan of music that says they don't like the beatles Good. Like, so let me ask you a question every one of their albums was pretty much a masterpiece in one one way or another. Uh-huh. Um, your, uh, what do you think their most influential album was? Uh, I think Revolver is the Me masterpiece. Too. That's what I, my, um, well, it's mine. There's a lot of masterpieces in the Beatles catalog. Revolver is the one that I still listen to and I still, you can marvel at virtually, you know, I mentioned Alan Parsons earlier. I mean, yeah. he sprinkled his fairy dust in some of those later recordings. Revolver was like a, Breakthrough and chronicle to death, but I mean, um, there's so much going on. There's so much pushing the envelope forward yep. on that record. I think I think Revolver um, gave them and every band that came after them the um, license where it was okay to experiment. The, yeah. the rules were broken. They, that's the album that broke the rules. Uh, Tomorrow yeah. never knows. She said there was so much going People on, still on covering that. covering that stuff till this day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like yeah. it's uh, yeah. Um, the Black Pumas, right? Just covered Eleanor Rigby. Do you know the Black yeah? Pumas? I mean, I'm, I'm so glad McCartney's still out there doing his thing and and collaborating with modern artists. Yeah. Uh, maybe too collaborative with modern artists, but, I know, I know. Um, but I'm I'm really glad that he and Ringo are still uh, still doing their things. Yeah, yeah. But I, I revolve it too. How about Beatles solo work? Do you have a? Uh, yeah. Uh, 
it's probably going to be sacrilege to say, but I'm more on, I'm, I'm not supposed to say this. I'm more on the McCartney than the Lennon side of the solo work, but I love some of the John stuff too. Um, I love some of the wing stuff. Uh, you know, it's like funny. My, mine is all things must pass. I think it's the best Beatles solo album. Sorry. Yeah. And then the George stuff. Um, and then George's influence on integrating world music. Yeah. Um, into the world of pop and rock cannot be understated. So yeah, George's influence is, uh, in a way, George may be at the end of the day, the most influential Beatle of all actually quietly. Yep. yep. Um, if you think about it deeply, I did not mean to yeah. uh, not mention him earlier. I think all things must pass. I think he was sitting on a gold mine of music uh-huh. that, that obviously didn't have, you know, Lennon McCartney gave him one, you know, two cuts yeah. on an album. And he had this kind of uh, arsenal that he was sitting on of incredible music. And all things must pass. Boom. It all came out. Yeah. Um, look what came from that band. You know, the Dominoes, the Stones yeah. took musicians from there. Um, I spoke to Bobby um, Whitlock, and he told me that Jagger used to hang out at the sessions. And uh, he wrote a lot of uh, Exile sitting, you know, there. Uh-huh. He would say to Bobby, can you play me a, um, a gospel thing? And it turned into shine a light. That kind of, you know, um, so much happened at those sessions that um, it was, you know, just incredible. But um, yeah, anyway, that's mine. But Revol- I think Revolver Two is the biggest. Uh, I, was, I was just a sort of random brain fart. I'm just realizing that even Monty Python wouldn't have moved forward without George Harrison. Right. Yeah, I mean, the, the guy's influence is. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm friendly with John Altman. Do you know John? Uh-huh. And John's the guy who did all those Monty Python and Ruddles. He arranged all the uh-huh. Ruddles stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, that all came from, um, you know, a lot of, you know, Harrison was hanging out at the Ruddles sessions. He was there when they were recording them. So, right. Yeah, great, great musician. And um, I was lucky enough to see the Bangladesh shows. Um, you know. And you were actually there? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so incredible stuff. In fact, I always told people that the best part of it, not the best part, but the thing I remember about that show was the ending. Um, they're doing Bangladesh. That was the uh, you know last piece. And that's where the film cuts, right at the end of that. But um, at the show, Harrison comes out and he puts his, uh, uh, he had the white, uh, tel- he had the white uh, Stratocaster. He puts the white Stratocaster down and walks off the stage. And then Ringo follows him. And, uh, you know, Clapton and, and uh, Billy Preston, all the big guys left, Russell, and the band, just the band kept playing Bangladesh, and they're off the stage already. And they don't go into that in the movies. But I thought that was the greatest finale I ever saw. It was incredible, you know, just very humble, and, you know, you knew it was over. Um, yeah, so um, I think, I don't know, we did a lot today. I have to thank you. So what's you, what are you doing? You writing any new books? What's what? No, no, no new books. Uh, I had a fairly bruising experience with the first book. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I might be working on an autobiography for someone soon. Yeah. Um, I probably shouldn't even mention it because it's not inked yet. Um, books have been very frustrating dealing yeah. with publishers and all of that. Uh, so I'm still fully focused on on, on the interview site. Um, that Leo Kotke is coming up. How many uh, uh, how many um, uh, followers do you have? Uh, social media. Yeah, on uh, uh, interv- um, on the interviews, do you have do you know how many people actually? Uh, 
click the, the actual website traffic. Yeah. It's completely variable based on whatever the hot interview is at the time. So um, it's funny. I mean, I, most people don't understand why I would have even done it, but I interviewed William Shatner once, who well, is actually a very interesting musician, yeah. or not. <laughs> yeah. And so that that thing had untold millions of people wow. that read that one. Um, his his album, you hear his albums are crazy. He had Edgar uh, Frose was on. One yeah, of the others are the latter day ones. This yeah. one kind of cobbled together yeah, by yeah. record labels uh-huh. related to them. The, the earlier Shatner albums are the, the fascinating. Oh ones. yeah, yeah, Lucy in the and, Sky, right? I think that's a classic. <laughs> um, but uh, I realize people uh, have varying opinions on that. But but I think that an interview like a William Shatner will get millions of readers. Right. And it goes down to some people are so unknown on the site that no matter what I do, uh, there's one interview on the site that maybe has like 80 people uh-huh. that have read it. So um, it's, uh, it's so variable. Right. I mean, in general... Um, a few hundred thousand people visit it every month. Well, wow. so. it's very nice. Cool. Well, you de- you deserve millions of uh, followers. You really do, because you're you're the uh, you're ground zero when it comes to this stuff. Well, I appreciate uh, that you read it and that that you have an interest in it, and uh, hopefully, I, I can keep doing this for a while longer. <laughs> yeah, and um, I'd love to pick your brain uh, off uh, line one day. Just. Sure. To, yeah, I, I, I appreciate the time you spent. And, I, and can we do this again? Absolutely. Yeah, good. I'm going to set up another. We'll, we'll, we'll talk offline. And I appreciate everything you did for me today. Um, you know, just have a great Easter if you follow all that fun stuff. And, uh, you know, just stay well, stay healthy, and we'll speak soon. Great. Stay safe. Hopefully we're getting out of this thing in the coming months. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Thank you, my friend. All right. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Not Your Mother's Radio is listener funded. If you wish to contribute, our PayPal info is notyourmothersradio at gmail.com. That's notyourmothersradio at gmail.com. We would like to thank you in advance for any contributions. Elliot definitely is not your mother. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. 
so don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's Bacon or Sausage Egg and Cheese Biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Fly on the Wall. There are more great interviews to follow so please list us as one of your favorites and be sure to follow. We are listener funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. Please remember to share our info. Thanking you all.